Welcome to the Live Lightly Podcast. Awareness to integration to elevation. Sue and Dan open intimate and complex spaces together, discussing integration from physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. Expect conversations that are honest, expansive, and solution-oriented. Everything from consciousness design to biohacking to socio-political deep dives. Creative works and building a new paradigm in relationship through daily choices. Check out the show notes for more info about Sue and Dan, plus our guests. Welcome to the Live Lightly Podcast. Dan and Sue here. Hey, how's it going? What are we chatting about this week, Sue? <laughs> We're chatting about the choice to not have children. So on my IG ethers, I put out some feelers because I have this conversation in private a good amount of the time about the choice of deciding not to have children and using your birthing energy in different ways throughout your adult life. And I was titling it Childless by Choice because there's so many strings attached if you decide not to have children through social judgment and status quo about what might be wrong with your body or what might be wrong with your union or that you're not in a partnership that wants to have children. And there can be a lot of uh, codification, religious, cultural, um, where this conversation doesn't really get had very much. So it was something that we really wanted to put out in public and put out in public from our personal points of view. And we really will be speaking from our personal points of view. With that being said, we're not anti-children by any means. We have many family members that have decided to extend their families and we're auntie and uncle and we're very pro-children for other people and the choice to make their own long-term family growth. Like we're all for it. So that's just a healthy disclaimer to say this is our personal choices and we would love to share them in public. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a polarizing topic and, you know, I, I think it's a lot more pressure for women, you know, um, at least in my experience of when are you having kids? Why didn't you have kids? Oh, there must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. have, have you experienced anything like that? Yes. Yes. So something wrong with you either physically or morally, because you have decided that you don't want to have children if you identify as female. And it's something that I definitely address in transitory nature in the masculine feminine binary and breaking the masculine feminine binary. And I discuss a little bit about the maiden mother archetype and how they can be pitted against each other. And they're still framed inside the cisnormative heteropatriarchy, which means that mother is the ultimate archetype of birthing children, the long-term goal of a mother and the maturity of femininity, if associated with a female body, is to birth a child inside the cisnormative heteropatriarchy. And then maiden is usually pitted against that as sort of a less mature version of a female-bodied person who is in their like frolicking sexy phase. And so both of these archetypes are directly connected to the hypersexualization of the female body. Yeah. So long-term sort of pressure, you know, for decades, um, if you have a uterus to have a child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you knew you didn't want kids? 13 or 12. How, how was it making that decision for you? Like, how, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm, well, this is really interesting. And I wanted to say it at the beginning of the podcast, but I got a few messages of how did you handle grief, deciding that you weren't going to have children, 
how if your body can't have children, if you have chronic illness or autoimmune, how have you handled that grief? And I want to make it clear that like I can have children and I don't have chronic illness or autoimmunity or long-term issues with um, Lyme's disease or anything like that. So this was a pure choice for me. This wasn't a a decision that I felt my body wasn't capable of having children. Mm -hmm. And I know that that can be a very tricky space for many women that are grieving the fact that they maybe have wanted to be a mother or someone DM me and said they had visions of breastfeeding and that they can't actually live that out in their body because of illness or disease. For me, it was a complete choice. And I knew that I didn't want to have children from a young age because I behaved differently around other women that did want to have children. I couldn't empathize or understand their view of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you ever have those urges of, you know, mothering a child or? No, no. Like envision yourself breastfeeding or watching your kid take their first steps, anything like that? No. Never? No. It's, it hasn't been a part of my consciousness, even from a very young age, um, like it kind of even feels weird to think if I've had a thought of breastfeeding a child because the answer is no. Mm. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's rare or normal, but I know it's my experience. So when I look around, you know, when I'm at a baby shower and everyone's geeking out over the small shoes and all that kind of stuff, I, I don't really have emotional reaction, mm-hmm. you know, and that isn't because I'm like, uncapable or uncompassionate. You know, I've built my entire life around sharing compassionate action of values with the world. So it's a clear indicator that that wasn't my karma this time around because I was deeply willing to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Do you have, you know, why are you different from maybe someone else who really wants to have a kid in a female body? I never questioned You know, I never questioned what makes me different. What I did was look at the world and say, huh, because I feel differently, what's the countercurrent? Yeah. So, you know, that's like a a big sort of creative outlet for for a woman's body, right? To produce and have a child and then rear the child. Mm -hmm. How have you sort of filled that creative void in your own life? I know Mm -hmm. you just obviously wrote a book, but... Before that, what what sort of filled that, or was there a void for you? Ding, ding, ding. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I was just about to reword your question for you because you, and I'm not getting on you. No, no, it's... Yeah, I'm just saying like, you see how the imposition of a void in the question itself. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's implying that you were lacking in some way when you weren't. Right, right? which I just want to point out is a very, very normal thing when talking about bodies with uteruses, Mm -hmm. that that is a void that you don't get to fill. And that comes at you from every single part of culture. And that can be very intense and make you feel very lack-based in the decisions that you're making around how you're spending your time, if it's appropriate, if it's valid, if it's fulfilled, if it's creative. Mm -hmm. You know, how many subliminal messages do we get around creativity and motherhood? I mean, it is just like neon signs in the way that we share. And I'm using air quotes here on purpose, femininity with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. I saw it as a real success. <laughs> you know, I saw it as a real um, ticket to actualizing a different way to use birthing energy. And I saw it as a real um, way to 
push back at status quo. And not that I did this out of any sort of like protest by any means. I just followed my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you, have you received any sort of like pushback or oh, judgment or anything all the time. like that? Yeah. The thing with um, sort of manipulative femininity is that it doesn't come right out and say it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a lot of like, oh, well, you'll have kids one day or you will. You'll be such a great mom. Or, oh, you'll really understand when you have children. Oh, you just haven't had this experience yet. Therefore, um, you don't have the right views on how your life should be organized. Or, mm-hmm. oh, you have so much free time. You just don't understand. You don't understand scarcity mindset because you don't have free time. Or, oh, yeah, of course, you can meditate all morning because you don't have to breastfeed five children. You know, I've definitely, oh, you can't speak on abortion publicly because you've never birthed a child. You know, these are all DMs I've gotten. Well, that's pretty aggressive. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's radically triggering mm-hmm. for, you know, just like many polarizing topics are that someone else's choice doesn't negate your choice. So... Why is this such a triggering thing? Why why does it matter to someone else whether or not you have a kid or not? Well, I think, I don't know if it's even that conscious. And I think we can both sort of talk about this because I know that you've received intensity as well from family units, members, family members of not having children. And, you know, at this point in our lives, it's not a pain point anymore. And so that's why we would love to talk about it in public in a comprehensive way. But I don't know if it's a conscious understanding that you get triggered by someone else's choice. I think that that choice is so built into your own identity that you can't see past that identity marker. And so therefore, it's so bound to who you are that it feels like an assault if someone else doesn't also see their identity through that lens. Well said. Yeah. 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 And so I think that is really built in like mother made an archetype. I had to touch it inside manipulative femininity, inside cisnormative heteropatriarchy, because it seemed so necessary that this was sort of latent subtext that was happening around bodies that have uteruses that aren't, isn't really being talked about. It's more just getting hurled at each other in sort of a backwards way. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how about you? Pressure from family and making the choice from a young age, and then we found each other, and we were able to verbalize that choice to each other, but... Maybe we can talk before we met. Sure. Um, I think there was pressure from family. I think there's pressure from society in general. Mm-hmm. Friends, you know, just kind of everything on the periphery of, you know, even things like you have, um, you know, physical traits that are deemed positive socially. Then it's like, oh, man, you're going to have the best kids. Yeah. You two are going to, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, potentially, Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that, that's that's kind of a, a silly reason to want to have a kid for your own sort of egoic stroke of your gene pool. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, tons of pressure. And Did I, you feel like that a little bit though? When people were like, oh, you're so tall, you're a professional athlete, your kid would be so great. Da, 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 da. Well, it's, it's hard to not let your mind kind of go down the rabbit hole of like, man, they could be this. But then you have to look at the other side of the coin, right? And, you know, they could also be something far, far cry from this idealized uh, projection of what your kids will be. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot. You, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it, it was hard to not think about it and it's hard to not, um, you know, I, I studied science. So from like a biological standpoint, it's an individual's job is to perpe- perpetuate the species. But I think you can take that one step further and look at the evolution of our intelligence and its ability to see, hey, does our species actually need perpetuated right now mm-hmm. based on resources available and just kind of the overall vibe of our ecosystems? Yeah. And that was, you know, there's no right or wrong there. I'm not judging you if you made a decision one way or another. But for me, that sort of um, trumped the argument for having a kid in, mm-hmm. in my eyes. Um, just, I think we've evolved beyond that sort of elementary uh, definition of, of in, in, individual and species. But, you know, even, and then even further beyond that, um, you know, as, as, a, as a, a, a male-bodied individual, there's sort of this pressure to, you know, keep the family name going and, and to leave your legacy through your children and things like that. And uh, I, I don't know. I just never really bought into that. Mm-hmm. That's not to say I'm not proud of who I am and who my family is and all that kind of stuff. But um, having a kid for the sake of extending that lineage i don't know if that was necessarily something that well i do know that was nothing that i ever was into right yeah you know i I couldn't i couldn't really get behind that logic and um you know if that's your motive that's awesome but that certainly was not mine yeah i want to double back a little bit because i know that we both share that view that one of the ways that we could make less impact on this earth is to not bring more sets of feet onto this earth and yeah. and that was really a value that we both shared and that we could talk about openly and is a value of our sacred partnership. Yeah. And, you know, kind of back, because, you know, I, I wasn't sure at 13 years old like you, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I can remember, you know, even being 20, 21, maybe up to 22, but in there and then being in relationship. And obviously that comes up in conversation because, I found myself in some partnerships where um, the other individual was very pro, can't wait to have kids, psyched on it, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. And for one, I was never confident enough in the relationship to bring another life into it. Um, I think that takes a, a very, very, very special partnership to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. And two, um, it just didn't feel like a situation that I was willing to give up what I had been working on at the time to fully steward that child's life. And I took that really seriously. You know, bringing a kid into the world isn't, you know, raise him for three years and then outsource it to a nanny, go about your day. Or outsource it to school. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, if I was going to be a dad, I wanted to be extremely involved in that child's life. More than likely would have homeschooled them and um, call me selfish, but when it came down to it, I wasn't willing to give up my own self-discovery for that, uh, stewarding of a life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really worth saying out loud. And I would take the disclaimer off it, call me selfish, you know, because I think that that is one of the reasons we don't have this conversation that much in public is because there is righteousness and moral judgments around, what a fulfilled life looks like and you know that 
having children is good. It's good. It's good. You know, and that if anything that's anti that is anti good. Mm -hmm. And I think that we both share the values of if we did have children that we don't love a lot of the systemic issues on the planet. Therefore, we wouldn't want to um, rear the child constantly interfacing with those systemic issues. Yeah, th those were just non-negotiables for me. You mm -hmm. know, at 20 years old, my deepest desires were to play professional sports long enough to be set and then disappear into the woods the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. like, incorporating a, a child into that is not okay, I don't think. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just, that's a really tough life for that kid. And that's, um, you know, all the more reason for me to, to not even continue thinking about having a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something that was very apparent to both of us was that we wanted to think about the long-term life of the child, not just our lives as parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, in relationships before you and I were together, was that was that a an issue? Was that a pain point or a struggle in the relationship? I mean, it was definitely brought up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In full transparency, sometimes I would just agree because I knew that the relationship wasn't going to get to that point. And then I also knew I just maybe would just stay quiet or not super engaged in the conversation mm -hmm. because didn't think the relationship was going to get to that point. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I mean, have, have you received any support from uh, people? Not much. Not much. Yeah. No. It's usually avoided in conversation. You know, I definitely have one or two friends now at 35 that can openly say like, totally, totally get it why you didn't want to. Mm -hmm. yes but that's it period and then we start talking about their children <laughs> and i don't mean that in like a rude aggressive way i mean that in just like 95 percent of the time that's how the conversation goes mm -hmm. because it's so embedded in our understanding of adulthood and maturity and fulfillment and self-actualization and the the actualization of the family unit and the continuing of family values that it's so close to our consciousness as a society that we don't have the skills to have the conversation around what it's like to decide not to have a child. And then what are you going to do for your life? And what are you going to do for society? These are conversations I don't have with anyone but you. <laughs> Until today. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and I think that there's a lot of uh, avoidable pain and suffering for bodies with uteruses around this issue. If there was more self-exploration and more conviction around how you want to live ethically out in the world and that that's okay to do on a solo path sometimes that not many other people understand or can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit of sort of latent, somewhat antiquated societal conditioning. Um, you know, kind of the same notion of you got to go to college. Mm -hmm. You got to have kids. You got to get this job when no college is not right for everyone. I wish I didn't go to college. <laughs> like to clarify, you know, I think, I think you can, you can find your way in life without having to have a four year degree and vocational schools, whatever. Maybe this is a different podcast, but, um, it's, it's kind of that same notion where 
you hit a certain age and, and these ideas that have just been hammered into you for the last X number of years, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, sort of sort out what do I actually think about this versus what have I been conditioned to think. Mm -hmm. And that's a very scary space of self-exploration. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to put this podcast out is because I know it's scary to challenge your own ideological programming inside your own body mind alone. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I know that's a very scary space for many women and for many bodies with uteruses to really say, hey, is this my belief? Is this my value? Or is this something that I'm regurgitating and I'm actually feeling grief because I'm having to let go of an idea that I've defined myself through for so long? Or is this actually a desire that I have to let go of that I'm feeling grief around? Mm -hmm. You know, there's different answers to those questions. Those are different questions. Therefore, they will produce different answers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, at least for me personally, when I kind of initially started that line of questioning for myself, not only did it yield the answer of no, I do not want kids, but I think it really sort of opened the floodgates for that self-discovery of asking bigger questions of myself and looking into these areas that, you know, I thought I was pretty sure. Mm -hmm. And then maybe there's a shed of doubt. And then it's kind of like, you don't know what you think here. Right. Give, Give us an example. Oh my gosh. Um, at a younger age, religion. Mm -hmm. That was a big one for me. I'll just give like a two second story about it. But I was um, raised Catholic. And at the time of my first communion, my dad gave me the choice of, do you want to do this or not? And up until then, it had been kind of an issue for me of, you know, I just never really bought into it. And when it came time to like really commit to it, it was, it was a struggle for me. And I feel really grateful that, um, you know, he gave me that choice, but that was definitely a, an aspect where I was swimming upstream and in the minority to the max where everyone around me is like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You know, but it just, it just never tasted right to me. Yeah. And so when you got older and we're deciding how you wanted to, you know, have actionable ethics out in the world, the understanding of organized religion and the family unit and what morality is like came into question a bit because you decided that you were really ready to walk away from some of that ideology. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Absolutely. There's yeah. probably some other things I'll, I'll try to think of them, but that's the first one that pops into my head. Yeah, definitely. But it's, um, whatever it is, just asking those bigger questions of like, is this truly what I think? Mm -hmm. Or am I just doing this for whatever reason, you know, conditioning or pressure or. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you really want to be, and I know that this is like sort of a counterintuitive comment, but like, I think that if we wanted to have kids, we could, because we have had these conversations and that we would be able to raise them in a radical way. And so that's also why I wanted to put the podcast out into the world as well of like, maybe these are really valuable conversations, even if you've never questioned that you might want to be childless to, to at least open the conversation inside your partnership yeah. and with yourself so that you are starting to challenge some of your ideological clinging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here, here's a question. I've never asked you this. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's, it's no, like this is, this is out there. Like you have a history of sort of body image issues and like mm -hmm. an eating disorder past was the body image. Was that ever a consideration in terms of yes or no having kids? I don't think so. 
Like I really, really worked through that, like 16 to 25, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it was still, you know, I'm still of child rearing age, you know what I mean? And so I think it honestly, it brought me closer to my body. By not, by the choice to not have kids? No, the choice, like having to work through eating disorders. Oh, okay. I got you. You know, and so it gave me a lot more contact with what is okay in my body and what's not okay. It really gave me a lot more understanding of consent, Mm -hmm. of, of ideas that I actually consent to, a reality that makes sense to me in my body, a reality that feels comfortable in my body, a reality that I can stand behind to the nth degree in my body. You know, I think that's why I didn't have a lot of grief or back and forth or, oh, it's just not the right time or, oh, it's just not the right partner. Didn't really have a lot of that back and forth because I really felt like because of the trauma was able to work a really work through a really healthy relationship with my body over Mm -hmm. the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But trust me, that's gotten thrown at me as a judgment. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Wow, what an mm-hmm. assumption. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Jeez. Yeah, because there is a lot of um, codification or subliminal messaging around the connection to, you know, your body if you decide to have a child and what pregnancy will be like and getting your body back after pregnancy. I mean, there is social capital and consumerism campaigns to the max built around how to have a child and get back to your old body, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's s- industries of surgery based off of this idea yeah. <laughs> and not really being able to understand the long-term evolution of a body with the uterus. And it's so ideologically attached to a specific consciousness design that is binaried of this was my body and then I had a kid and now here's my body mm-hmm. or I want my old body back or that's better or whatever it may be. So the reason I'm bringing that up in relationship to, I have had therapists and family members say to me, well, maybe you don't want to have a kid because you don't want to lose your body because of your eating disorder and your attachment to your body. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) talk about repackaging the binary Mm -hmm. and coercing me even more to relinquish my consent to use my body how I choose. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. You touch on this in Transitory Nature, right? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to share anything from the book? I hate reading out loud. (laughs) You'll do well. (laughs) You got it. I mean, I say it like I said it a little bit at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but we can definitely look at it for a second. Only if you want to. Yeah, I'll read these two paragraphs. At both ends of the binary, creative force is seen as synonymous with childbearing fertility and feminine maturity with child-rearing responsibilities. Within binary worldview, we're told that if we have the biology to do so, motherhood is the ultimate fulfillment. And once we achieve this, leaving the maiden archetype behind to bear children, paradoxically, our bodies become less acceptable at best and entirely expendable at worst. And if we choose not to have children, questions are sure to arise as others wonder if our body is healthy, assuring us that one day it'll happen, don't worry, and making moral judgments based on their choices because how could a woman not want to be a mother? 
In all of these conversations, the regenerative creativity embodied in the wild woman myth continues to be equated with progeneration itself, alienating all of us from the freedom for all beings, regardless of gender expression or biology, to express birthing energy of all kinds. Well said and well read. <laughs> Reading out loud is not easy for you. You did great. Thanks, Bill. Well said. So let me just play devil's advocate there. Okay. All right. So if having a kid is the ultimate fulfillment for a female in, uh, body. Inside the binary worldview. Okay. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if I have a question anymore. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, just, just playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't have a kid, how can you refute that? Well, I did it with the book, right? <laughs> but I'm just saying, if 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 you yeah. never had that experience, how do you know that it's not? Oh, yes, yes, I understand that. I think that one of the ways that I have refuted that, which I even hate the question, is like to to literally say that like we're in a different crossroads right now in the way that we're perpetuating our species, and someone, someone on this earth, someone can be one person, can be millions of us, need to make the choice to look at the future growth of our society and species, species on earth, Mm -hmm. and make a different choice. Someone has to take that responsibility. And I decided it was going to be me in this body this time around. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's okay to, to not also look at the other side of every single coin and say, people need to make both choices on both sides of the coin. If we're all making the same choice, do you see what happens to mm-hmm. society or to the perpetuation of our species? We will literally eat ourselves alive. Yeah. Case in point, 2021, August 8th, or whatever the date is today. Yeah. 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 So what do you see as the ultimate fulfillment of your uh, reincarnation this time around? I mean, for me, it's part of chapter eight, which I ask you not to share your Mukti code out loud, but I certainly have one, which is something that guides every decision that I make on earth, you know, and using my creativity in ways that are to its full exaltation is something that's very, very important to me. And so all my ethical decisions fall underneath that code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of the exaltation of an incarnation, I think that that is, one, insanely egoic that I would know the full answer. Right. Right, insanely egoic. So, like, the exaltation of a body with a uterus or the fulfillment, the full fulfillment is motherhood. Like, to me, that is complete egoic narcissism. Like, just say it just straight out. (laughs) How would I know if I see myself as an integrated being, if I have any connection to something beyond my own identity, if I use the word God or source or spirit, those are things that my mind and my intellect cannot fully comprehend or understand. So for me to say that I know the full exaltation of my incarnation feels like an egoic trapdoor. Right. Yeah. But you know it's not having a kid. For me, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's one that's tiny so piece of it, you know? I think that's huge. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge decision that affords you, like, that's a big fork in the road, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is a big fork in the road. And 
I guess I just never really saw it as that. I mean, did you see it as like a big fork in the road? Like I, when I was little, I envisioned myself being like a CEO. I wanted to be a chemist. I wanted to make shampoos. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is at age like nine, like the thought of like pushing a baby in a stroller. No, I envisioned myself wearing like the plastic goggles in the lab and like making shampoos. Like, I'm like, seriously. Nice. <laughs> You know, like, did you see it as a fork in the road for you? Having a kid? I, yeah. I mean, forecasting it out, I saw it as sort of this 180 of you have a kid, your life's going that direction. Mm-hmm. You don't, your life's going to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I tried to look at that really objectively, you know, and not favor one side or the other and try to really actually play that out. And, um, you know, like I, I played with a lot of guys and they were, uh, they would have like shoulder surgery or something like this. And, and the, the first thing they're thinking is like, man, I hope I can play catch with my kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But I don't know. Hopefully you can come back and pitch the rest of the season and not get released would probably be my uh, thought at that point in time. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, teach their own. But um, yeah, I, I definitely saw it as a fork in the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, how could you not? I mean, I didn't. Well, you you knew which direction you were going. I mean, up to a certain point, I I really didn't and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of played both sides of the fence to some extent. So how did you sort of cope with conversations with previous partners before me that, because this is an issue, I think, in many relationships where one wants to have a child and one doesn't. Yeah. And then that becomes a real point of contention and either there's concession and then regret and then serious gender role issues in the long run in mm-hmm. the balance of power in relationship. I mean, there's a whole host of things we haven't even touched yet on that side of the coin. Sure. But how did you cope with it in previous relationship? Ugh. I mean, very similar, I think, to how you described, uh, you know, your coping mechanisms, but sort of entertaining the conversation, never initiating, that's for sure. Um, maybe making concessions without actually truly believing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I absolutely in hindsight could have handled it a lot better in those circumstances. But like you said, it's such a, it can just be such a divisive topic. And I think, um, you know, in the end of some of those relationships, the, the writing was on the wall and that was certainly the, um, kind of the origin of the fissure in the relationship, if you will, Mm -hmm. was that kind of understanding coming to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know there was a couple of years or in between those relationships and our relationship. So how did you come into our relationship so steadfast that having children wasn't for you? What was that interim period like? Yeah. um, One or maybe two of the relationships before you and I found each other, um, fell apart and I would say maybe 50% of it was because of the um, child no child Mm -hmm. and you know I rectified that in my own system by if I was willing to let that relationship die uh, because I did not want to have kids okay I can now move forward with that conviction Mm -hmm. you know like it's sorted in my mind now you know for me Right. Having gone through the trials and tribulations of a long-term relationship breakup because of this issue, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, to me in my head, it was like, okay, I can, I can put this to bed now. I, I know for a fact. Mm-hmm. And then it really came up very early on in our conversations about staying together. I mean, we're talking in the first 90 days of meeting each other, we were having this conversation. I think it was even less than that. It might've even been like the first two weeks. Yeah. We, we, we kind of, I don't know who brought it up, but I think we were kind of just, we really, really liked each other. Mm-hmm. And I think think we were kind of firing on all cylinders except for this one little question mark of you know how does she feel about kids i don't know if you or i brought it up but i think we kind of really tactfully alluded to it just to kind of see how the other person would respond and then your response or my response was very tactfully saying like yeah i don't know i don't Mm -hmm. think so but maybe with the right person and then the other person's like yeah i don't want to either and it was like Oh my gosh, I can exhale now. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, that that was like a, a big question mark just kind of taken off the table and we could move forward um, pretty expediently, I think, after that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it just seems like a pretty big about face to then bring it up so quickly in our relationship because I knew that we did do that. You know what I mean? Like it was just on the table from the get. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think we, either of us wanted to waste any more time. Yeah, definitely. Around like question marks around ideology or what we might want in the future, but not fully telling the truth Yeah, that we hundred percent want this or don't want this. Yeah. And, and not going to lie, your, um, your conviction in the decision that you had made to not have kids, I found to just be so refreshing. Mm-hmm you know, early on in the relationship for just like, wow, this woman really knows who she is and what she wants in life. And I I respected the hell out of you for that. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome. (laughs) But no, it it was, I had never experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's rare. You know, and and I think that rarity is also why you have received some criticism and some, you know, backlash or however you want to phrase it. But Mm-hmm. I th- I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's very interesting, honestly, because you're really one of the only people that's come out and said, like, that's fucking awesome. You know, not because I am 100% agreeing with it right away. I have to make my own choice in my own body about it. Do I agree with her? Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. But a lot of women approach me in private, you know, especially in the DM space, And they're like tiptoeing around the issue and they want it to be okay that either they don't want to have children or that their body isn't ready to have kids and they feel weird about it. And they're like seeking an archetype that feels stable about it, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't, I don't think also a lot of men are willing to step up and, and support that, support that decision. Yeah. You know, publicly or verbally, even just publicly doesn't just have to be like on a podcast or on Instagram or in a group of people or making a lecture, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be in just a group of three to five people that you're having a conversation like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not really a supported decision. No. Yeah. No, it's not Mm -hmm. for women and and men. Mm -hmm. I think more so for women though. I don't know. Like I have, I'm not not really on social media, but I've never received DMs like, like you've received. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know. And and then, you know, 
It's also not, I've never really put this out in public. So I find it very interesting. I'm not sure if it's like my frequency that's calling it in or, you know, people make a lot of assumptions because we don't have kids and they're not on our public platforms. You know, we've even had people had us on their podcast before and they're like, I was trying to look on your website to see you, you have a family or you know anything like that. Do like, your kids go to public school? Yeah. <laughs> lady asks us that. Yeah, yeah. Like, what yeah. kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, it's even so embedded that there's so many presumptions or assumptions around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see that moving forward? Mm-hmm. Well... I mean, I think that this conversation needs to be had more in large formats, Mm -hmm. you know, and I would really love to see the maiden mother conversation just hit the fucking glass ceiling, you know, and see less judgment from female bodied individuals or bodies with uteruses or women that decided to not have children or women that can't have children because of chronic illness, that there needs to be a panel of everyone I just said. Mm-hmm. and talked about much more in a larger context because we we really you know not being doomsday here but we are at a bit of a crossroads with you know our species and population and questions that we need to make moving forward about our constant consciously evolving family units gender expression gender identity sexuality and reproduction, right? Obviously, and and biological sex, all of those things fall in their own camp. But in culture, they all interface, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think having much larger conversations with a bunch of bodies that have uteruses is the way to move forward. Because there is a lot of um, latent judgment. And I'm not using judgment like this, like, bad word. You know what I mean? There's a lot of unspoken communication that happens that you can really pick up on of that this choice was okay in this person's eyes or not okay in this person's eyes. And I would love to see that latent subtext start to fall away because we're actually looking at the growth of our species or the not so quick growth of our species. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's something we really need to consider. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would love to see us as a species handle this without government influence. And what do I mean by this? Okay, so... Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, sci-fi sort of like predicts, to some extent, the future. Somewhat, you mm-hmm. know. And, and the only reason I mentioned that, I remember back in like middle school, there's a, this book we read about, a, I can't remember the name of it. But you're only allowed to have two kids, and this family had a third, and the kid had to live in the attic. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're already starting to see uh, in other parts of the world, there's limits on how many kids you can have, and you know, it turns into this like crazy thing. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see us as a population handle our population issue without the government having to step in and control us in ways that we're not going to be happy with. Right. Right, because then it just perpetuates a really dominant ideology right. if, if the decision comes from the top down. 100%. Mm-hmm. And there isn't compassionate action between individuals and conversations and respect for each other's decisions. That There isn't that much possibility for that to arise. There's none. And, you know, we, we really have to distance ourselves from this, like, animalistic perpetuation sort of mentality and have conversations like these that are a little more open dialogue of 
you know, not just have kids. It's the best. Mm-hmm. It may be for you and that's awesome. I'm psyched for you. But for the globe and for its entirety, that is not the notion that needs to be spread to everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Notion that needs to be spread, but I think is also proliferated from lack of awareness. Sure. However, it's, however, it's, you know. Yeah. Because I don't, I'm, I don't really know how I feel on like a large governmental and political scale. I haven't quite researched enough in terms of like history and the repetition of history and things like that that might happen in the future. I can definitely say from my personal experience that from woman to woman or birthing body to birthing body, that there is um, so much untouched in there, if that makes sense. Like, why is it okay for a woman to tell me her birth story, but then not listen to my story about how I don't want to give birth? Why is that socially acceptable? Why is it socially acceptable to say like, oh, one day you'll be a mother and it'll be the greatest thing that ever happened to you? Why is it not socially acceptable to say, do you know how fucking awesome it is to use my birthing energy in millions of ways? It's fucking sick. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why is that not acceptable to say? Right. You know? Like, this is why I want to talk, like, more personal from our personal points of view. Like, those are experiences I've been in 150 times in my life or more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, piggybacking off of that, um, hanging out with certain friends of mine who have kids. Why do I have to listen to them for 15 minutes bitch about their kids? Like, dude, you had the kid, man. That's awesome. Love them. Don't come complaining to me about how much of a pain in the ass they are to you. Like, that's not okay. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. And I know we also share that sentiment, too, that, like, complaining is sometimes a a social entry point in. And that's something that we're both committed to, to not uplifting or bearing witness to or engaging in. Because it perpetuates a sort of, uh, like, status quo that that is socially acceptable and okay to engage from that social jumping off point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just see it as like, you know, you eat the entire cake and you're like, oh, my stomach hurts so bad. It's like, well, <laughs> you ate the whole cake. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, this is something we were talking about also of like latent gratification and dealing with consequences and, you know, being able to do that well and see that sort of proliferate through society from a young age and like a coming of age process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes into the consideration beforehand, which maybe I considered it to a fault, like too much, but ultimately concluded it wasn't for me. But if you're not considering all of these implications for having a kid, like, yeah, you're probably not gonna be able to go climb on Tuesday afternoon after work. Right. Or, you know, whatever it is, or you're not going to be able to... Well, that seems like a small one. I think... Sure, that's a super small one. Larger implications would be the impact on the earth. Of course. The impact on consumption. The impact on um, our systems that are... Our farming systems that are totally industrialized to handle the population density. Mm -hmm. You know, like... Yeah, there's there's a lot of things to consider. It's a huge, huge decision. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate when you see blatant examples where there were things that weren't considered, right? And then there are like these big pain points in the uh, parent and child relationship. 
Definitely. Where it's like almost kind of comes off like resentment and it's like, Mm -hmm. that's that's tough to see, not only for the parent, but then also the child being raised in that environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I know we both considered of like what type of harmonious environment would we create? Do we have the prana, the resources, the time, the love, the compassion, the resilience, the steadfastness, willingness, willingness to create that kind of environment? This time around. Yeah. Yeah. For years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, there was something that just sort of ran out of my mind, but it was super, super important. Something along the lines of... I don't know. Lost it. Yeah, I don't know either. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anything else you think that's really valuable? Um, if you're in a partnership, I think these conversations with your partner are super valuable, you know, and even if it's like, can you believe those two jackasses talking about not having kids? (laughs) Yeah, I want kids. Sweet. Have that conversation. Yeah, please do. You know, whatever it is, but just open up a dialogue to where, you know, you might figure some things out that you may not have considered before. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I think to, you know, I'm, my door is always open and this is usually a DM that I respond to. And most of those DMs that I was talking about throughout the last X amount of minutes, I have responded to and I will continue to respond to because there isn't really a safe haven for many women to have this conversation, one with themselves or two with another woman that is saying, hey, if you want to have a child, awesome. I love your kid. I'll read its chart. We'll have a full on conversation about its uniqueness and how it can thrive in the world. And Hey, what is, what do I, who do I talk to if I don't want to have a kid? Who do I talk to in my immediate environment? How do I have this conversation with my mom who might be putting pressure on me to have a child or just even the rest of society, you know, one day you'll get there and it'll be great. You know, how do I cope with those kind of conversations and how do I conversation, I don't even want to use that word, you know, how do, how do I cope with that in my own embodiment when I feel the weight of the world saying that the exaltation of my body is to give birth to a child? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one thing that we also didn't touch on just yet is the way that we reworked gender roles in our relationship. And that was something that was very important to me when I got into a spiritual partnership that I wasn't going to be held down by latent ideology that was like strapping me to a table. Yeah. So how, how did we re- redefine our gender roles? Yeah. I mean, I think that one, we both un- really understand our gender fluidity and we really understand the areas that we thrive in and how fluid our identity is. And that's one thing that I ran into a lot of pain points in the past with partners is that, oh, you're too masculine or, oh, you're just too sensitive. You know, it was always one or the other on either side of the spectrum that they weren't happy with because it couldn't interface with their understanding of themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I knew I needed to work out inside a partnership. And that until that was worked out, even the conversation of like having a kid or wanting to have a kid or not wanting to have a kid there was no space for it just yet. Right. Yeah, because I needed the full exaltation of my gender fluidity and gender mm-hmm. expression. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that you were very um, open and supportive of that. You know, I, I don't think that a lot of 
male-identified humans are 100% open to, you know, we had conversations where I was like, well, what if I'm a dude? You know what I mean? Where I was like, no, no, what if I want to be called he? Mm -hmm. You know, and you were totally open to having that conversation with me. Yeah, I I loved you. Yeah. You, you know, you can call you whatever you want. I don't care, but (laughs) I love you. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's really unique, you know, and I think that inside deciding to have a child means that you are then inside some sort of relationship that you can either adopt, artificially inseminate, or procreate. Mm -hmm. And so with that then comes all of these sort of power dynamics, right, that comes up so much in my Connect to Spirit space as well, just dealing with those power dynamics that weren't really addressed prior to artificial insemination, adoption, or procreation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, how do you think we did that in our relationship in terms of flip-flopping power dynamics? Uh, honest communication, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you could go through each little nuanced detail, sure, but you can distill it down to just honest communication. Yeah. I need this. I don't need that. I mean, it's, it sounds like overly simplified, I'm sure, but I I, I really truly believe that's how we did it. Mm -hmm. Like we respected each other enough to be honest with each other. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, that alone goes a really long way. And respected ourselves enough to be open to question marks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, cause you can respect, you can say you respect someone, but that's not actually in your embodied action. You know, I'm using your you plural, you know, like the difference between yeah. actually being able to have an open-ended conversation where no one's agenda is coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's actually a checking of agenda between the two of you. And I think that might be the only way to tread inside the gender expression, gender role, power dynamic space. Yeah, we, we had a lot of conversations in that space, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. And had to. Totally. I think we had to, to clear up all those question marks because it is such a, I mean, you have 20 years of thought behind it, 30 years of thought, whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it takes a long time to sort of flesh that out and find a a common ground with your partner Mm -hmm. that you're both happy about honestly and authentically, not just like on the surface level to not be in an argument or something anymore. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so that's sort of the fertile ground to have the conversation of like kids, no kids in a really bold way that you can be happy with for the long haul Yeah, in either direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Do you have anything else though? No, I think that's good. I think that's pretty good. Um, let us know what you think of this. This is probably... Uh, <laughs> triggering for some and sorry for that but these again is just our opinions we're not criticizing we're not saying right wrong or indifferent for anyone other than ourselves here these are the decisions that we made for ourselves and how we came to those conclusions Mm -hmm. yeah and opening the space to if you are grappling with it and you don't feel like you have any sound spaces to deal with it or find peace literal peace with a decision that you have made or that your body is going through chronic illness and you're and a lot of this stuff is starting to come up and 
you have a birthing body, like these are, you know, live lightly as a space. You can have these conversations that, that we're totally open to having them with you in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For you, not, not for any agenda pushing for you to literally say, these are big questions in my embodiment and I want to find the answer for me. Totally. Yeah. If you have any thoughts, let us know if you have any other topics that you would like us to discuss, hit us up. Okay, great. Thanks for listening. Live Lightly Podcast. Bye. podcast. If you loved this episode, please download and subscribe. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and your main takeaways from this episode. Tag us on Instagram and Facebook at livelightly underscore. We will then reshare your takeaways and insights. We love bringing you these in-depth conversations. Please remember the suggestions of our guests and hosts are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as actionable advice. This podcast is a resource for general information and education only. Live Lightly is not liable for your decisions to implement information from this podcast.